0: Pastor Lau and Pastor Dala Haprasit would like to welcome you to the following message from New Hope International Church in Seattle, Washington. Here is Pastor Lau's anointed teaching that will change your life with love, hope, and peace in Jesus Christ. And now, Pastor Lau. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for all the things that you have done through us. We feel so honored and we feel so humbled that you use this Little church here to bless the world for you and to anoint us with your Holy Spirit to be a part of the Great Commission. We thank you, Father, for your word that we will listen today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Each year, God spoke to me to say different things. This year, God kept speaking to me that I need to bring the subject that is so important in his heart to the church. And this subject is not about money, but it's about the heart issue. I have studied the Bible regarding this issue for many years and collect all the scriptures in my computer. And now it's the time that I will bring them out to share with all of you. First of all, I'd like to read Acts chapter 20, verse 35. The Bible says, I have shown you in every way by laboring like this, that you must support the weak. You must support the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. It is more blessed to give than to receive. The series of this sermon called the greater blessing. How many people want a small blessing? I want a greater blessing. And the Bible said that it's more blessed to give than to receive. Another subject that I want to preach on Sunday is the fire of God beside the goodness of God, because I noticed that, that we have so many new members, new faces here, and the subject of the file of God is still new to you, and you don't fully understand, and in the, I produced one series of CD about 10 years ago, or 8 years ago, the, the file of God, and now after 8 years, after laying hand on hundreds and thousands of heads, and see the Move of the file of God in the revival meeting. My understanding of the file of God has grown a lot in the past eight years. So I will talk again about the file of God, which is very important. I tell you right now without the file of God, the church will never become the bride of Christ. We just have a social group here. We need the file of God to burn all the junk out of the church. But today, I would like to talk about the greater blessing. And I just want to be clear to you one thing. Sometimes when the preacher talk about giving and money, you will think that, again, this guy wants to collect money from me, and this guy wants to get money for his own benefit. You have very negative feeling about the preacher and about money. But it's not going to be my case because I'm a neurosurgeon and I don't need your money. And I don't need your money at all. In fact, all these years, I have practiced what I'm going to share with you. So this is not about money. That's why I don't share this message before the giving time. I purposefully do this to let you know that it's not about money, but it's about the heart. The Lord spoke to me for many weeks already that the Lord wants to see the people in this church to be generous and to have a lifestyle of giving. This will really impact Every aspect of your life It's not just about giving money in the offering back on Sunday. And so the church will have money to pay electric bill and clean up the carpet and all this stuff or pay for the salary of the full-time workers. It's not about that. It's about the lifestyle of giving. And this lifestyle is so important because it will bring greater blessing to you, number one. Number two, it will also follow the footsteps of God because our God is a giver. He's a great giver, big giver. That's why you have oxygen to breathe right now. He's a big giver. I love dogs. Every time I play with dogs, I thank God that God gave us dogs to play with. And dogs are more loyal to you than human. And every time I look at little dogs, I'm so thankful. He's a giver. He gives this kind of animal to us so that we can enjoy relationship. God is a great giver. He is really great giver. Yesterday, I have to go to Golden Garden Park. All the parking lot are full. And we have to carry a lot of stuff into the beach for the party. I say to God, God, you're the giver. I have been giving to you. You're going to give me today the prime kingly parking. (laughs) Because I'm the king and the priest in the universe here. I and Pastor Dad are the king and queen for God. So we pray that God will give us the prime kingly parking. We drove in all the parking full. So we parked to get the stuff out of the car to carry to the beach. The party is there, so we park here to get to the beach there. Why are we parking to get the stuff out? The car that parked there on the side of our car, we park on the street, want to get out. Another car coming and want to get that spot too. And I say to them, sorry. (laughs) So I got the prime parking. I don't have to walk. I just get into the party there. And I come back home and I say to my wife, Pastor Dar, God is a generous giver. He gives to us so much. He's a good God. And number three, the reason we need to talk about having a lifestyle of giving, because it impacts everything in your life. It impacts your relationship with your wife, your kids, your husband, your co-workers. When your friend are stingy to you, you don't have favor that much for them. You don't give favor too much. You kind of feel like this guy's stingy. He's just about money, money, myself, myself. So you don't feel good about that friend. But if you are around generous friend who always pay for you and give to you and generous to you, you feel that, wow, this guy's so good. You want to do something good for that person. Actually, the lifestyle of giving really impact the relationship between you and people around you big time. Amen? And I'm not talking about only money. I'm talking about the heart. You can give time. You can give money. You can give your abilities. You can give your talents. You can give your resources and anything. Your word of encouragement, phone call, visitation. But it starts from the heart here. We want to be generous givers together. In this church, I'd like to go through scripture with you to see that this is the issue that is all over the Bible because God is a generous giver. First of all, I'd like to lay down some foundation about life. Number one, life is a test. So before we talk about giving, we want to talk about life first. Life is a test. And if you read the whole Bible and look at people's life in the church, you will see that everybody will be tested by God. God will test all of us. God tests people in the Old Testament and New Testament. God wants to test their character, their commitment, their love, their faith, their integrity, honesty, and their heart. God wants to reveal to all of his people what is in the heart so that we will be changed. I came from Buddhism and I was against Christianity when I was a young man. I was putting my fist up to church and to Christianity. Until one day I got saved, somebody shared with me the gospel and I come to know Jesus Christ. Once I come to know Jesus Christ and start to study the Bible and God is so real to me, one thing I promise God is that I don't want to be half-hearted Christian. I want to be a full disciple of Jesus Christ. If I'm going to change from Buddhism, worshipping idols and now worshipping God, I don't want to be bad Christian. I want to be 100% Christian. So I promise God that whatever you say in the Bible, I will surrender. Two, I promise God that I will not stay stagnant and become a weak Christian, a baby Christian forever. I want to grow. I want to get everything that God say in the Bible. I want to get everything that heaven has for me. I want more and more of God. And I want to grow. This year, I want to grow more than last year. I don't want to stay the same. I don't want to be stagnant. And I want to challenge you to do the same thing. That you will not stay the same all the days of your life. You will not be content of where you are spiritually right now. You think, oh, I'm a good Christian now. I go to church every Sunday. No, you need to grow more. This subject is part of the thing that you need to grow more. We all can grow more. Amen? So life is a test. And God wants to reveal all of you what is inside you. And He wants to put it out so that you can see and you can change. So that you become more mature. So that you become stronger and you get promotion and you can have more responsibility for God. And then you can impact more people. That's why the word trials, temptations and tests and refining are mentioned in the Bible about 200 times. God tested his people. Some people flunked the test. Some people passed the test and get the promotion. If you read the book of Genesis chapter one and two and three, the test came to Adam and Eve, whether they would obey God to eat the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil or not. But Adam and Eve flung the test. David failed the test so many times and he got into trouble. Abraham was tested by God to take his son Isaac up to the mountain to give as a sacrifice. And God tested Ruth when her husband died and she has a choice to stay in Moab or to follow her mother-in-law to go and worship God in the land of Israel. God tested Esther. God tested all these people. And that's why even in the book of Revelation, the Bible says, uh, to him who overcome will eat the manna, will eat the fruit from the tree of life. Who overcome? The one who is overcoming is the one who passed the test and prove to God that you are genuine believers. Your faith is real. Your love is real. Your commitment to God is real. You pass out the tests, and God is going to give you rewards in heaven. Through the tests, your character will be developed. Through the tests your character will be revealed as well. God put the test to show you who you are, what kind of person you are. Are you selfish? Are you short temper? God gonna reveal your character and develop your character through the test. That's why God constantly watches you, how you respond to people, how you respond to problems, to failures, to the loss, to disappointments, to conflicts and illness, and even to success, how you respond to them. And God even watches your simple little action in your life. When you walk by in the church and you see a piece of paper on the floor, will you pick it up or you just walk by and don't care? It's not my business. God going to watch you whether you open the door for a lady or for an elderly when she comes by with two handful of bags. God going to look and watch you whether you say polite words to the waitress in the restaurant or you say bad words to them. But when you are in the church, you say Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. But when you go to the restaurant, you use bad words to the waitress or not. God going to watch all of these little things to see who you are and want to change you from glory to glory. we all going to face the test. And sometimes we don't know that we are being tested by God. But the reality is we can predict that some test going to come some days and somehow. God allow many things to happen, major changes, delay promise from God, impossible problems. And answer prayer, undeserved criticism, and endless, unexpected tragedies that will come to your life to test you, who you are in Christ, and to help you to grow. And God's gonna see how you handle those things. And definitely, one thing is money—how you're gonna handle money. In the book of Second Chronicles, chapter thirty-two, verse thirty-one, the Bible talks about the test, talking about King Hezekiah. Second Chronicles 32, 31. However, regarding the ambassadors of the princes of Babylon, whom they sent to him to inquire about the wonder that was done in the land, God withdrew from him in order to test him. Everyone said, test. Yes, yes. To test him that he might know all that was in his heart. I experienced this before. About 15 years ago, my Christian life was so dry family problem, the church struggle. We did not see much miracle. We didn't see what the Bible say become fulfilled in our life. And God began to work in my heart to seek the Holy Spirit because we lack the fire. So I went to Revival meeting in Florida and get touched by the fire, burn in the fire, get drunk in the Holy Spirit, laugh in the Holy Ghost. So awesome, so wonderful to be in the presence of God in Florida. But when we came back home to our church, it sounded like God disappeared. We feel dry again. Where is God? Why we experienced that in Florida? But when we came back, He disappeared. I learned from the Bible that God withdrew himself. God did not give me a lot the first few years. God disappeared so that I will make decision whether I can continue to pursue the fire of God and get hungry for God or I will give up. But I decided to pursue. So I kept going back, kept going back to receive the fire. And now I come to the point of my life that I can ignite the fire anytime. Even in my car, in the operating room, I can ignite the fire anytime. Because God see that I have passed the test, that I continue to seek God all the time, all these 15 years. God withdrew to see our heart. When we understand that test is important, life is a test. We need to realize that nothing is insignificant in our life. Every day is significant day. Every minute is the opportunity for growth, development. Everything that happened around you, somebody step on your toes, somebody say bad thing to you. It's a test. Every little, little thing that happened to your life is a chance for God to change you to be a better person. It's a chance for you to pass the test so that you can grow up more spiritually. Amen. All of these little, little, little thing that happened to you, all of them have eternal implication. And thank God, the good news is God wants you to pass the test. So what he's going to do, he will allow you to go to the test that is not as strong as the grace that he will give to you. In other words, the grace that God gives to you will be stronger, will be bigger and greater than the test you will face. Pastor Da has a test one time. She went to a shopping mall. The person at the counter gave her the changes too much. While she sit in the car and driving back home, she find out that the lady at the counter Gave her too much change. Instead of giving maybe $2 change, they give $22 or something. She has to make a decision whether she's going to go on, go home and keep the $20 or she's going to come back to the shop and return the $20. Passed it passed the test. She went back to return the money. To prove to God that even though no one in the world knew about this, in front of you are going to be a woman of intricacy. No one knows, but God knows. We need to pass the test. Amen? in every single area of our life. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape, that you may be able to hear it. So God say, I will let you go through temptation and test to see what is inside you, to develop your character. But the test you will face will not be greater than the grace that I will help you to overcome. You can overcome every test if you depend on me. And what happens after you pass the test? You get promotion, you grow up more, and you get the reward. You get more and more blessing from God. James chapter 1, verse 12, the Bible says, Blessed is the man who endures temptation, Mean to pass the test. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love Him. If you pass the test, God will promote you and you have more authority and more anointing. That's number one. Life is a test. Number two, life is a trust. How many people agree with me that when you were born out of the mother's womb, you came into the world with nothing? How many people agree? How many people saw a baby? I used to be an intern in the department of obstetrics. When I was in Thailand, I have never seen even one baby came out from the womb of the mother with the diamond ring on the finger and with the nice necklace and also the paper say you own a Mercedes and own a house. Every baby came into the world with nothing. How many people have seen people die and depart of this world with something? Can you take anything with you when you die? No. You came into the world with nothing and you will leave this world with nothing. What we learn is that our time, our resources, our intelligence, our education, our energy, our opportunities, and even our relationships, God give Pasada to me. It's by God's grace that I marry a godly woman. God give my wife to me. I did not own her. She is God's property. God just gave her to me. We don't own anything in this world. The world was created by God. And God gave to Adam and Eve and said, you take care of it. You manage it. You are my manager now. You are my steward. Genesis chapter 1 verse 28, God said to Adam and Eve. The Bible said, then God blessed them, Adam and Eve. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that move on earth. Adam and Eve were created after God created the universe and the earth, the land, the sea, the sun and everything. So God owned everything. Then God created Adam and Eve and God said, okay, I let you take care of this earth. I loan it to you. Let you take care for a while until you leave this world. And then the next person will take care. After you die, we learn from the Bible that everything belongs to the Lord. Psalm 24 verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. This is the concept of stewardship. Everything that we have comes from God. And we cannot take even one thing with us. We are the manager. We manage God's thing. God, by his grace and by his mercy, we enjoy what we have now. We enjoy the car, we enjoy the house we have. When I sit in my house this morning, I woke up early in the morning and sat in my family room to review my sermon one more time. And I was looking at my house and I say, Thank God, thank you, Lord, you give this house to me. But it doesn't belong to me. I just enjoy it now. One day it's going to belong to somebody else. And my kids say, Amen. <laughs> <laughs> After I pass, it down, pass away, they will take over. <laughs> pass it to the next generation. Every one of us don't own anything. By the grace of God, we have all those things. So we are the steward. We are the manager. In other words, we are the trustees of the property of God. We cannot claim to own it. We just manage those things. And the first job that God gave to humanity, Adam and Eve, was to manage what belongs to God. To manage the world for Him. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. Read, and I will show you carefully. For who makes you different from another? And what do you have that you did not receive? Now, if you did indeed receive it, receive from who? From God. Why do you boast as if you had not received it? This scripture says, everything that we have today comes from God. We cannot boast at all. The anointing I have right now comes from God. The ability to teach the Bible in English, which I struggle every Sunday because it's not my mother tongue language. It's not easy to, you know, I get teased in the operating room every Wednesday at Evergreen Hospital of my accent. If I say something, the nurse will ha ha ha, tease me and try to correct my English. To be able to preach in English on the pulpit is a lot of work for me. I have to try to speak correct English and it's a lot of energy going on by the grace of God. But God give me grace to be able to preach in another language that I did not grow up with. Amen? It's come from God, not from me. God give me the grace. Amen? So we manage His stuff. The world say this way. If you don't own it, don't take care of it. That's why people walk into the building and see the paper on the floor and say, it's not my business. This is not my building. I'm not going to pick it up. Because you don't own it, you don't take care of it. But as Christians, we need to have a higher standard than the world. We say, because everything in the world belongs to God and we manage it. We're going to take care of it. Amen? We're going to take care of what God has given to us. 1 Corinthians 4, two. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. God wants us to be faithful. You remember the parables of the talents in Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 to 29. The master, before he left town, he left talent with his servant. And he said, one day I'm going to come back. One servant managed it well. Another servant did not manage it well. The story go on. And when the master came back, he evaluated what happened to the servant, how the servant managed what was given to them. And one of the servant, the master said, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. One day after we die, if we are Christians, we're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Not to be judged to go to hell or to judge about our sin, but to be judged and evaluated concerning how we spend time, energy, money, resources, everything that we have in our life, including our motive of doing those things and attitudes of doing those things. God going to judge us to see whether we should have rewards or we should not have rewards. We all will have different rewards. I may have less reward than my wife. She may have a bigger mansion than me, even though she is behind the scene and I'm preaching on the pulpit. Everyone will stand before God. And if we pass the test and if we manage the property of God very well, what happens? We're going to get three things when we stand before God. Number one, God's verbal affirmation. Good job. Verbal. Oh, I like to hear that from God. When I stand before Jesus and Jesus look at me in my eyes. Good job. Ah, it's good. To hear the master say that, Well done. Not steak though. Not steak. Well done. And good and faithful servant. Number two, you will get a promotion. God going to increase the authority. And that's why you have a greater responsibility in eternity. You're going to look after many cities in the world, in the new Jerusalem, new city of God. You will receive more responsibility and more power and anointing. Number three, you're going to be in the party or celebration. He said, Enter into the joy of your Lord. We're going to have a celebration. People who are faithful in their stewardship or managing the things of God on earth here will receive verbal affirmation, receive more authority, and also receive big party, celebration party. Now we come to the issue of money. We talk about giving heart, giving time. Giving is related to both the test and the trust in God. God will test you regarding money. God will test you about your time. And God will also see that He can trust you in the area of money or not. Luke chapter sixteen verse eleven. You will be surprised if you read the Bible carefully, from the book of Genesis to the book of Revelation. God talked a lot about finances. Luke sixteen eleven. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammons, which mean money, who will commit to your trust the true riches? What are the true riches? The true riches are the spiritual blessing from heaven that you cannot buy with money. Spiritual wisdom, great wisdom from God. The favor of God, the anointing of God, the grace of God, the authority and the power of God. You cannot buy those things with money. And God says, these true riches will be given only to faithful people who manage money very well. You can see the connection between money and true riches here. That's why I believe that this sermon, this series of sermon, The Greater Blessing is important to you. And I have to be bold to preach about it, even though you may not like it, to talk about giving and money. Because I believe it will really change your life and get your life to the next level. And you will start to walk into the new level of true riches that God has for you because you are faithful in little things that God has given to you. If you are not faithful to pass the tests and the trust regarding money and property and resources in your life, you will not get true riches from God. God will not trust you enough to give you more. That's why people have different level of anointing, different level of wisdom, different level of authority in the kingdom of God, different even favor of God. I believe yesterday when I got that parking space, it's a favor of God. Big time. Because God has seen me and pastor that all this, more than 30 years of being faithful, giving, giving time, giving everything to the church. And God said, I'm going to reward you. I will bless you to get the parking spot here. You don't have to walk too far. It's the blessing from God. Amen? How many people want God to give you the favor all the time, wherever you go? You need to prove to God that you are faithful and He can trust you. Amen? Amen? Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, verse Forty-eight. But he who did not know, yet committed things deserving of strife, shall be beaten with fuel. For everyone to whom much is given, from him much will be required. And to whom much has been committed of him, they will ask the more. Life is a test, and life is a trust. The more God gives you, the more responsible he expects you to be. The more anointing he gives to you, the more he expects you to be faithful in the anointing that he gives to you. The more money he gives to you, the more faithful he expects you to be in managing the money, how to manage money. And if he finds that you are faithful and trustworthy and have integrity in the area of money and time and everything in your life, he will give you even more because he trusts you and he knows that you can handle it. That's why the key of prosperity. When I talk about prosperity, I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about every aspect of life, every arena of life. Prosperity in health, in relationship, in emotion, in anointing, the spiritual gift, and in finances. If you want God to give you prosperity in all areas of your life, you can have millions of dollars, but you are being polarized in the hospital and lie in the hospital and pay all the medical bills. That is not prosperity. You can have all money and healthy, but if your relationship with your wife is bad, that is not prosperity. Prosperity covers everything. If you want God to trust you with his prosperity, then no sorrow come with God's prosperity. You need to show faithfulness, pass the tests, and let him trust you. He can trust you. Amen. I want to give you some story in the Bible. God always requires to give something to him to show that we are faithful. Luke chapter 19, 26 to 36. When he has said this, he went on ahead, he means Jesus, going up to Jerusalem. And it came to pass when he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany at the mountain called Olivet, that he sent two of his disciples saying, Go into the village opposite you, where as you enter, you will find a coat tied, on which no one has ever sat. Loose it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you losing it? Thus you shall say to him, because the Lord has need of it. Everyone say, the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went their way and found it just as he had said to them. But as they were losing the coat, the owners, many owners here, with us, of it, said to them, why are you losing the coat? And they said, the Lord has need of him. Then they brought him to Jesus, and they threw their own clothes on the coat. And they set Jesus on him, and as he went, many spread their clothes on the road. Jesus went into Jerusalem as the king on the back of a coat, humble king. And he told the disciple to go and get the coat from one town. Definitely, that coat belonged to somebody. And the coat was tied. And the disciple was losing the coat. The owners came by and said, Oh, stop, stop, stop. What are you doing? Why are you coming to my car? Where do you get the key? How do you get into my Honda, my Toyota here, my coat? And the answer is very short. No explanation. The Lord has need of it. The Lord may come to you in a different way. And he say, could you open your home for a care group? I need it for 10 people to come every Friday for a care group meeting. The Lord may come to you and say, I know, son, the gas price is high now, $4 plus. But I need your car to pick up something from Renton. And you say, Lord, the gas is high. And the Lord said, I have need of your car to pick that lady every Sunday. Or the Lord may come to you and say, you have a lot of money in your stock market. Yes, Lord, it's tied down. My money is tied down. The Lord say, lose it. Sell some in the stock market to pay for the soundboard of the church. The church needs a new board. This is an example. Which is going to be true in the near future. The soundboard is old now. And you say, Lord, but it's tied. It's tied down. And the Lord say, can I use Pastor Loud's loud voice to preach? And have a good sound system in this church. Can you lose it for me? Thank God. Those guys who owned the code did not say, ha ha ha, stop, stop. No, no, this is my coat. Don't lose it. Don't lose it. I'm gonna keep it in the stock market. Don't touch it. The Lord will not be able to get into Jerusalem on the code. He will walk in. The prophecy about him entering Jerusalem will not be fulfilled. You see, sometimes God May come to you and ask you to do something for him, and he said, "I need it. I need you." Before I started this church, I was a resident at Harborview Hospital, on call every day, only one day off a month. And the Lord came to me in my bedroom for one month and say, "I need your house. I need you and your wife to start a church." And I said, "No, God, please. I'm on call every day. I'm a surgeon. I'm not a pastor." My house is small. I'm not rich. I have very small salary at that time, maybe $1,300 a month. My salary at that time as a student at University of Washington. And the Lord said, I need you to speak, to preach, to lead my church and open your home as a church. And use your basement. And after one month, I became like that coach or nurse. I say, okay, you have need of it. I lose it. I say, yes, Lord, I'm going to be a pastor. I'm going to start a church. I will use with my small salary. I will feed people on Sunday, open my home and people can come every Sunday and every week to have Bible study. I lose it. And after that, I keep moving from one house to another house, to another house. We are house mover, keep moving. And now we have a bigger house to entertain more people for the Lord. So since then, we use our house for the kingdom of God. We lose it for God. My dear brothers and sister, God may want to use something in your life. It may be he tell you, could you please give this amount of money to that person in the church? He needs it. Will you lose it? Maybe he say to you, could you please use your voice in the worship team? Come and help them. You have ability. Are you willing to lose what you have? And if you pass this test, he tests you. He comes to you. You pass the test. You can be trusted by God. God will increase more. God will give you more. And God will put more things into your hand. Amen? Amen? We will continue this series off and on. I will not tell you which Sunday. So you cannot avoid me. <laughs> it's going to come without warning. I will continue to talk about the greater blessing. How many people want the greater blessing? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Let's lose it for God. Let's pass the test. Let's be trusted by God. Let's be a good trustee. Be a good manager. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for this teaching that we can learn many things. We want to change. We want to be the kind of disciple whom you are pleased with. We don't want to be stagnant. We want to grow. We want to be changed to become more like Christ. We want to be changed from glory to glory to glory, Father. And Lord, help this church, all the members of this church, to have a lifestyle of giving like you are, Lord. You are the giver. You gave one and only Son, the best to us. You gave the rain to the righteous and the unrighteous. You gave, Lord, oxygen to us for breathing. You give millions of fish in the sea, all the banana in the jungle for the monkey to eat. You give us all kinds of things, Lord, in this world for us to enjoy. We want to give back to you. We want to be giver like you. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Anyone in this room don't know Jesus Christ? Hmm. Why you love about monkey and banana? <laughs> It's true. There are more banana drop on the ground than the monkey can eat it all. God is a generous God. (laughs) While I was praying, God give me the picture of banana and monkey. That's why I pray. (laughs) Before I pray for people, anyone in this room don't know Jesus and you want to make sure that you will go to heaven and born again to become a Christian, I'd like to invite you to join into the family of God. We are all sinners and we need the forgiveness of God. After you become a Christian, you become the righteousness of God. God forgive you and God forget about your sin. I like to encourage you to give your life to Jesus. God is so real to me. I'm a doctor. I'm a surgeon. I'm a scientist. God is so real. Actually, let me tell you this way. I opened about 1,000 scalp already, more than 1,000 skull, And every time I look at the brain of people, I know exactly there's no way That brain happened by explosion of Big Bang theory. No way. If you put a car and put a bomb in the car and blow it up, what's going to be? A mess, a chunk. It's not going to be a Mercedes Benz. It's going to be a chunk. (laughs) Not going to be a Honda. The brain that you have right now in your skull is more sophisticated than the Honda and the Toyota you drive right now. I can witness that. Very complicated and complex. That only have we know that there is a creator who decides everything on earth here. And either we reject him or we come back to him and say, I want to be your son or your daughter. God is real whether you accept it or not. God is real. Amen? I want to invite you to come back to God. Enjoy the family of God. It's not about being religious or joining a religion. It's about coming back to your Creator and have a relationship with Him. How many people want to be a child of God, have a relationship with your Creator? Raise your hand up. You want to have a relationship with God? Raise your hand up. Raise it up high, up high. Wave, 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 wave. Tell God I want to be a child of God. I don't want to be a child of a monkey. How many people think that you come from a monkey? Raise your hand up. How many people believe that you are a child of God? Raise your hand up. Oh, thank God! I'm not a child of a monkey for sure. <laughs> I did not come from apes. I came from God. Amen. Ape doesn't know how to cook butit neung and chay Apes never know how to make hairstyle. Apes never know how to make pizza, thin crust pizza. Only human know because human was created in the image of God. Amen? Why don't you pray with me? Follow my prayer. Father in heaven, you are my creator. I thank you, Lord, that Jesus died for me to pay for my sin. I received your forgiveness, Lord. Lord Jesus, I believe in my heart and confess with my mouth that you are my Lord. You were raised from the dead on the third day. Jesus, come into my life. Be my God and my Savior. Forgive me. Give me a new heart, new spirit, and I can serve you and walk with you. Thank you, Lord, For receiving me as your child. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Give me two more minutes to explain something. So that you know that what we are doing is biblical. I will lay hand on people today. We don't have lunch. Some of you who don't get used to this kind of church... You may think that this is weird that we lay hand. First of all, the laying on of hand is the foundation in the Bible, Hebrew chapter 6, ABC. Throughout the whole Bible, God used the laying on of hand to impart the blessing, impart the anointing, impart the power from heaven. The laying on of hand is in the Bible. And if you study about the life of Jesus carefully, Jesus never prayed for anybody. When the sick come, he either speak and command or he lay hand. Jesus has a touching ministry. He touched the kids. He touched the leper. He touched the blind eye. The only thing I did not do like Jesus is to spit on people's eyes. Spit and then put on people's eyes. I don't do that because I may be sued by somebody in the church. I'm not Jesus. But Jesus had a spoken ministry and touching ministry. He did not kneel down and say, God, could you please heal this person? No. He lay hand, He touched. And people come and touch his clothes and get healed. It's a touching ministry. And Jesus said, the work that I do, you shall do also. And greater work than this, you shall do. If I want to follow Jesus, I have to do what Jesus did. Three, I can guarantee 1,000%. If Jesus is a pastor of this church right now, not me, he's going to lay hand every Sunday. And he doesn't care what you think because he's going to bless people. Whether you come from Presbyterian, Baptist, whatever, he doesn't care. Because kingdom of God is not about denomination. He cares about blessing his people. He wants to bless people. He wants to lay hand and bless people. And people come to him and get lay hand on all the time in the Bible. The book of John, Matthew, Luke, and Mark. So he will bless his people. For if I know all this truth, think about it. If I know that to have a brain tumor and leave it there for 10 years, the patient going to die. And I don't recommend patients to have it removed soon, very soon. I'm a bad doctor. Because I know the truth, but I hide the truth, I let it go. The same thing as a pastor who knows the Bible. And I know the Bible is true that I should lay hand and God can touch people, God can deliver people, cast demons out. One lady in this room, I don't know she oh, I think she might be in, in Taiwan now. She came to our church in Mercer Island about one year ago. Depression. Cannot sleep. Looks sad. Look very depressed and she was has been depressed for years. The husband eventually brought her to our church. She, he heard about our church. I lay hand on her every Sunday. And eventually one Sunday, I cast demon out of her. Now she came to church. Last Sunday, I saw her here. She smiled. She's happy. she laughing. And her husband was so happy. She went to church for many years, but still depressed. Never get set free until she came to our church. Think about it. As a pastor who knows the Bible, and I don't do what the Bible say, I just, hey, bye-bye. Go home. I go into the room and eat my coffee and let you go home. I don't lay hand on you and bless you. I am a hypocrite. I am a hypocrite. Because I know what's good for you, but I don't do it. And I just let you go. Think about it. So you need to understand that what I'm doing here is not New Hope International tradition. It's not something we do for fun. It's in the Bible. And it's a demonstration, listen carefully, it's a demonstration of the love of God. That God wants to use somebody's hand to touch and to feel with a blessing. Maybe you may not know. Let me say this morning I woke up and God said this to me to speak to the congregation. Some of you may not even know that you have a trace of cancer in your liver right now or in your kidney right now. And if you let go, it will grow. But today, this Sunday, you come out, pray for, and the power of God hit you and the cancer poof, disappear. Instead of dying soon, you live a long life. Just because one touch from God Therefore, this is holy, this is important, and this is life and death for some people. Some people may die soon, but because of being lay hand on, one lady in our Thai service in the afternoon, she was diagnosed as having, having colon cancer. She came to the church the first time, accepted Christ. The doctor said, you have six months. She came out to be prayed for. She fell under the power. Now, four years, she's still alive, and the doctor checked her, nothing left. No cancer. This is holy. This is important. Again, if God will not force you to do anything, God cannot force me either. I'm not going to force you to be prayful. I'm not going to be mad at you if you don't want me to pray for you or you walk out. I still love you the same. God loves you the same. It's your choice. It's all your choice. Whether you want more of God or not. After I have been a Christian for 30 years, 32 years now, I learned one thing about the walk with God. The more God increased in me, the more of Him in me, the more I will become more like Him. And the more I can control emotion, control my flesh and my sinful nature. That's why I love revival. When the fire of God come in and fill me, more, more of Jesus in me, less of me, the stronger I am, and less sin, and less sickness, and less problem in me. So I love to see people get filled by God. The more God fills you, the less flesh, the less things of the world in you. And this filling up in filling happen little by little. Is that right? You have a cup of water, you put in, you have a bad stuff in there, you put in pure water, bad stuff go out, put in, until eventually that whole cup become pure, pure water. That's why it's so important to be touched and filled by God, so that you will have less and less human thing and more of God. This is my personal First-hand experience. And if God did it to me, I want you to have the same experience. It's so wonderful. I used to be short-tempered, Pastor Nano, And now he say, why are you so happy all the time? Because I'm so full of God. I'm not short-tempered anymore. I'm just very happy, very calm, very easy-going now. Because God filled me up with His kindness and love. Not short-tempered anymore. Amen? So many things, many junk in my life that God needs to get rid of. Now you understand why we do this in our church. Because I loved you. And I want to follow the Bible. And because Jesus loved you. Amen. You understand me? I I try to explain because some of you may not understand why we lay hands and all this. It's important. Amen. And again, if you don't want to, I don't take it personal. I love you and I bless you. I know people coming to the kingdom of God step by step, little by little, the revelation and understanding of the things of God are not the same in the church. Some people understand, some people don't, some people get it, some people don't get it. Just take time to understand. I really recognize that now. So I don't expect everyone to be the same. Amen? Let's close in prayer and we pray for people who want to be prayed for. Father, in Jesus' mighty name, we thank you so much, Lord, for your Holy Spirit. May your Holy Spirit fill your people today. Touch your people. Heal your people. Lord, we believe in the power of resurrection. We believe, Lord, that through the laying on of hand, your people shall be changed and their life will be blessed and never be the same. We thank you, Father. We pray that you will give your people understanding and revelation and faith in this area, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. If you want to be prayed for, please come. Thank you, Jesus.